First Timothy chapter two, verse number eight. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. It's an interesting shift, wouldn't you say, from the first eight verses. Now it goes to women adorning themselves. It starts off in like manner. What's this point of this likeness? It's, it talks about this attitude of men in prayer. And we see that in verse 8. We preached on that. Uh, men should be leading in prayer. They should have a prepared spirit. And then there's a shift rather abruptly now to women. And they now should be adorned with a modest, a quiet spirit. A, uh, a modest would be something that's most adorning. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, these passages, verses 9 all the way to verses 13, are convenient verses that the modern church looks over. And it's one of the reasons, one of the reasons they're looked over is uh, the consequence of those verses being looked over is why you have Paula White acting like she's a preacher. Okay. Uh, we see they should learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach. So there's a lot of truth in these verses that we'll look at uh, some of them tonight. But brave words, wise words coming from Paul here. Ladies, before you were saved, I'll speak to you specifically tonight. And I guess this could apply to all of us. But there was a way that you were brought up. There's a way all of us were brought up. There, it was a state of this cultural society that had press on you and you had a view of yourself before you were saved all of us did now after we're saved now first timothy second timothy and titus talking about church life uh ladies may i say this you have been advanced when you got saved everything that you used to think either about yourself or what society and culture told you about you, you have now been advanced to the highest level of nobility, amen. You are a child of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who you belong to. That's who you live for. It doesn't matter what the world wants to adorn you with. Or this society and culture wants to dump on you with peer pressure. You belong to Jesus Christ. And you should be most adorned. Because of him. And Paul, when he gets to these verses. Now remember, this is the same Paul that also said. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. Yet here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he's giving distinction of what the order is in the church. Well, if we're all one, 
there's neither male or female. Why can't women preach? And why can't this? And why can't that? And so Paul takes time to explain what the Holy Spirit means by all of that. And how that the sexes are distinct. They have different roles. And that's a good thing. That's healthy for the body. It's healthy for a marriage. It's healthy for a family. It's healthy for a church life. And it's healthy for society at large. It says that women adorn themselves. Adorn, adorneth, and adorn. There's eight verses in the Bible with that word. It means to decorate, to make pretty, to add ornaments, to beautify. There's nothing sinful about them. Ladies, you are able to adorn yourself. But before you start adding external ornaments for adorning, pretty hair, braided hair, gold, apparel, all of that, before you start adding the external ornaments, there's some adorning that has to happen internally. And I asked you to turn to Isaiah 61, be a good spot, a good time to go there now and read this passage. Isaiah 61, look at verse 10. Bible says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. That's where your joy comes from, ultimately. My soul shall be joyful in my God. You go through circumstances and you focus on that, you'll lose your joy. You've got joy in God. Now watch what it says. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Are you clothed with the salvation of Christ? That's the important adorning. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Do you have that robe? That's most important. As a bridegroom decketh himself, here it is, with ornaments. And as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. That's a good Old Testament passage. There's an adorning that's more important, and it's internal. When it says that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, modest is most decent. It's moderate, meaning it's not excessive. It's proper, and it's put in check by a sense of appropriateness. But none of that external adorning does anything if you're not clothed with the righteous robe of Christ's salvation. The Christian life isn't external to internal. The Christian life is internal to external. Religion is external. You work your way to heaven. You do this. You make yourself look like this. You do these deeds. And that's external as a starting That's not true biblical Christianity. True biblical Christianity is internal that produces an external result. Always. It's not good works before salvation. It's salvation 
there's an inward change. And then outwardly, what are we saved unto? Good works. And it's the same thing with modest apparel. And it's not just referring to dress. Modest is most decent. Uh, it includes, what does it say? Go back to 1 Timothy 2. Look at verse number 9. What does it say? Uh, adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. And it talks about sobriety. Look at verse 10. It talks about godliness. May I say to you, if you're clothed with the garments of salvation, ladies and gentlemen alike, may God help us act like it. Do you see some of the way women talk and act and dress and some of the behaviors that they're involved with and some of the places that they go and then it's followed by, yeah, but I'm a Christian. Huh? Wait, say that again, what? How many football games we work for passing out tracks? And it, football's big down south. You go to one of these big college games, you give out tracks and some of these campuses, they're not as tame as as Tennessee Tech, as far as all the drinking and all that goes on. And you'd be surprised how many young ladies and young men as well will go by, grab a track and throw it back at your face and say, I'm a Christian. We don't need to hear that now. Or I'm a Christian. Why are you judging us? All we're doing is a piece of paper. Probably bad timing to tell somebody you're a Christian. We don't have a most decent society. And ladies and gentlemen as well, we need some most decent apparel. We need some most decent Christians. The uh, Bible says in the Old Testament, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. Now I know we're not Old Testament priests, but we all belong to the, priest, the, the uh, one priesthood, believers of Christ telling you we should act we should act we should act like we're part of that priesthood of all believers go to proverbs 31 this will be for parents proverbs 31 we'll make an application for parents The most important apparel your children should be clothed with is what we're going to talk about right now. Proverbs 31. Look at verse number 20. Proverbs 31 woman, it says in verse 21, it says, she says, she is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, no mother would allow her daughter or her son, her little boy or girl, to go out in the harsh winter elements and just play out in the snow barefoot with no winter coat, no gloves, no hat, and just send them out. Those winter elements are going to hurt that child. That child's going to get harmed. 
no mom would allow that. She wouldn't. She would make sure her children are protected. But a mother is not afraid. She's not afraid of the snow. She's not afraid of the winter elements. She's not afraid of the harsh conditions if her children are properly clothed when they go out in it. They've got the snow boots. They've got the snow suit. They've got the snow gloves. they got the hat. they got they got everything that they need to protect them from all the harsh elements. I'm talking about the clothing that protects them. Right? For all her household are clothed scarlet. You know what that scarlet symbolizes? The blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what a mom is afraid of? Their young boy or girl growing up and getting thrown out into the harsh conditions of a wintry world without being covered with the protection of the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ. So you know how a mom cannot be afraid of the snow for her household? If she knows her children have the clothing of the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. And that is one of the greatest gifts a parent can have, is knowing that her children are safe and safe from harm from this cold, cold world. And let me tell you, you live long enough, you find out real quick, the world keeps getting colder and colder. Just turn on the news. No, let me put that in check. Don't turn on the news. You just realize more coldness, more darkness. The world will eat you alive and will eat me alive without the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ. And that winter, it symbolizes a spiritually cold time, a spiritually barren. So the same way, this virtuous woman, she's not afraid. Her children are clothed and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So I say that when we're looking at modest apparel, we have to make sure that we don't just dress our girls up in, in dresses and blouses and our boys in, 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 in you know, britches and jeans and, and, and all that. And we have this outward external apparel. That's not going to do anything for them out in this cold, wicked. That's an external for the internal. What they need is what we're talking about here. You can have all the best things this world has to offer. But give me Jesus. You can have all the people coming to a building. But give me Jesus. I'm okay with a little flock. I'd like more. I'm sure you would too. I'm praying for more. I know you are as well. But give me a few that have Jesus. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. We need to get our internal gauges in check. And then God will make the external fall into place. We can't get it backwards. Um, you don't have to turn here. Uh, I'll just read the passage to you. I have it jotted down in my notes. First Peter 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. 
Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I'm going to ask you tonight. Are you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Has his scarlet blood washed you clean? That's the first clothing you need to be most adorned with. That is the most decent apparel inward. Secondly, I would say to you, what we just read in 1 Peter, are you now clothed with humility? Give me a humble Christian that might have some external dress off, but that's got the clothing of humility. Now we've got an internal gauge that's in check. You've got something to work with. Make sense? A lot of people are proud of the fact that they have all their doctrine right. But in reality, they don't really have all their doctrine right because humility is a doctrine and you're being prideful and that's not right. It's not saying right things. It's saying right things with the right attitude. It's not preaching right doctrine. It's being able to deliver right doctrine with the right attitude. There's nothing wrong with hard preaching, but there's something wrong with being harsh as, as an attitude toward people. Does that make sense? The only righteousness of Christ and humility, most, most important. Parents, we need to ask ourselves, are our children clothed shamefacedness, sobriety, godliness, salvation, righteousness, startling the blood of Christ? Now, we mentioned shamefacedness. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 2. I know most of you have been saved a good bit of time. I'm sure you can. give a definition of shamefacedness. But I'd like to just open this up just a bit tonight. This word shamefacedness is almost gone from our society. And Christian ladies, Christian young ladies, may I say to you tonight, tag, you're it. You are the ladies and the young ladies that are going to have to show the example. You're going to have to show the example, not only in the church, not only during church life, but out in society. You're, you are going to have to be the one. And look, this refers now, we're getting to an external standard because shamefacedness is an external standard. Externals do matter. They're not the most important, but they're there. You're going to have to show a face that is ashamed to reveal everything. And that's the culture today. Ladies just reveal everything. It's just out there. From skin to attitude to bad words. It's just a lot. There's no shamefacedness. When something is rude or something is wrong, a shamefaced lady blushes removes herself 
changes the topic, but she sure doesn't. Oh yeah, let me, she sure doesn't go along with it and add to it and laugh and, and laugh with it and go along with it. She has some shamefacedness. Young ladies, you hear a bad joke or, or something that you, you may not know that's bad, but it seems off because you haven't heard it before. A shamefaced young lady removes herself from that situation. It brings restraint upon you from a conscience of wanting to do what's right. And if you're shamefaced, you will openly, you will openly be shamed when someone disgraces our Lord. You won't laugh at the rude jokes. And when something is off balance or inappropriate, it will affect you. You will do something about it. You will leave. Now, women, they don't even fuck. The women of this culture who have been trained by feminism, Hollywood, the government school system, and all other types of satanic influences are waxing worse and worse and worse. I would tell you to go watch this, but probably not a good idea to watch it. I've seen some Christians on college campuses trying to, let's say, educate student, uh, women about, this is out in the public area of a college campus, educate women on why abortion is a horrible thing. I can't believe you. some of the responses they get from 19, 20, 21, and 22-year-olds. I can't even call them ladies. It's abominable. And they do it with a straight face, knowing that they're filmed and giving permission to it. Shameful. It's shameful. There's no shame facing this left in this society. Tag, you're it, ladies. You must be the remnant and act like it. And I know you will. I know you are. Sobriety. Again, we get from shame facedness, external standard. Sobriety, another external standard. It's self-rule. You're in control of your pleasure. You're in control of your passions. And you look at any, you look at any home, you look at any church, and dare I say society, when you have the women who aren't sober, it completely affects the tone of everything. If ladies, when ladies fly off the handle at home, they don't have, they're not sober in their mind, they fly, you know, you got all this drama happening at the church life or all this drama happening in society. Ladies, you're supposed to be the sober part. <laughs> you need some support. Ladies need shamefacedness and sobriety. And sobriety. Men as well. Men as well. But ladies, God is calling on you to draw out the reverence, draw out the respect for your sex and for your role in the Lord. 
And he's pointing this out in 1 Timothy 2. Bring out that role in what God has given you to live shamefaced, to live in sobriety. 